Blog Talk Radio. It certainly is a big bun. It's a very big bun. Big fluffy bun. It's a very big fluffy bun. Where's the beef? Hey, where's the beef? I don't think there's anybody back there. Urban Jungle Radio, Urban Jungle Radio. Urban Jungles Radio, Urban Jungles Radio. It's the world famous Urban Jungles Radio. With your host, Danny Mendez and NDV. Urban Jungles Radio, Urban Jungles Radio. Urban Jungle Radio, Urban Jungle Radio. Urban Jungle Radio, Urban Jungle Radio. Urban Jungle Radio, Urban Jungle Radio.
following broadcast may contain mature subject matter and extreme awesomeness. Listen at your own risk. Attention, jungle junkies and new listeners worldwide. It's time for the world famous Urban Jungles Radio. The Urban Jungles Radio Show. With your host, Danny Mendez, the Beastmaster, and Andy V. Prepare to enter a new stream of consciousness, higher level of awareness, and an overabundance of awesomeness. Streaming live at the speed of light from the worldwide interweb, straight to your brain's core. It's the world famous Urban Jungles Radio. With the wicked box on the mic. I'm good, Andy. Wake from your burning bed. My, you and my jungle junkies. I don't know where I was going with that. I'm, I'm, I'm all for pyromania and all, but I wouldn't sleep in a burning well, bed, my friend. Wake from your burning beds because they are burning while our, our world is turning. How can you sleep, Andy? How can you sleep? The question I've been pondering since 1986. I don't know, man. Well, I'm I'm going to to explore this deeply and profoundly with mm-hmm. with. with Expert eyes. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to examine this today, Andy. In our discussions, it's going to be exciting um, because tonight's episode is is especially scary, given that this is the night before Halloween, because it's going right. I, I think we should done Halloween, so I didn't think of that. But it is especially scary because it's going to demonstrate how simple it is to make a decision to save the planet, but our inability to be inconvenienced by any sort of reality that affects us um, will likely spell our own doom. And I want to kind of outline this um, with you, Andy, this evening. Um, well, I told you I'd be willing to listen, so, you know, I'm willing well, to give it a shot. I asked that you listen. Yep. Um, <clears throat> what we're going to do is we're going to explore a couple of different important topics that I think are, are good enough reasons. And I'm going to present them to you. And I want you to hold your decision until until the end of the show. Oh, absolutely. And you let sure. me know if, at the end of the show if you're going to go through with this. Um, so I, I, before I get started, I, I want everyone to understand this from my perspective. I'm not going to be sitting here and preaching to you guys you know, what you should do. Um, for your own health reasons and things like that, because honestly, I don't care. I don't, I don't care about your health reasons, most of you. So then, okay. I do care about you. Andy. Okay, all right. I, I do care about why you. even do this. No, but it, it's not for. It's really not for people's own health reasons. The reason we're doing this tonight is because of the implications on wildlife conservation and how it affects wildlife conservation and wildlife directly, and even ecosystems on a more kind of superficial level. So. That's what we're going to explore this evening. I always knew you were superficial. <sighs> it is. And and I, I'm not know what I want to say I was, as far as my, my stake in this. Um, I want you guys to understand my my perspective. I'm I'm a, a survival, I guess a survival vegetarian. Um, my diet is probably 95% vegetarian and mostly organic. Um, but I do eat, um, especially poultry i like chicken and turkey on occasion um mostly when i'm traveling unfortunately because there's not really a lot of good healthy vegetarian options on the road or outside of the u.s 
Um, so it becomes a little more difficult. But if I have to, I will eat some meat. And every now and then I'm just ravenous. And like I feel like I can, especially like I'm in the supermarket and you walk across those goddamn motherfucking rotisserie chickens. Oh my like, god! I could, I could eat those. Sometimes like, there's nothing better than a, <clears throat> like a I could fresh seriously, yeah, I, I could eat, seriously eat that. But that's but, why you never go uh, shopping when you're hungry, man. I know that's true. But 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 even still, I honestly, as a vegetarian, I don't have a desire to eat. I I don't eat beef at all. I've, I've cut mm-hmm. it out. Um, I, I think maybe once or twice in the last two years I've had it and not more than a bite because honestly, I know for a fact the second time I tried beef, um, I was actually kind of repulsed by it. Um, like I didn't like the texture because I was not used to it anymore. It's it's a weird thing, but I'm not going to impose my beliefs on you in that sense. Um, what, what I'm going to do this evening is, is I want to... I want to familiarize you with some realities of the beef industry and what it means to wildlife and what it means to individually as conservationists. Um, so tonight I'm going to speak to you, Andy, and ask you to take our jungle junkies on a journey of, of self-discovery and, and conservation, Andy. I'm going to lay before you my case and ask that you consider lessening your footprint by significant proportions by simply cutting out beef from your diet. Um, We're we're just, we're focusing on just beef. I think we need to take this one step at a time for this kind of thing to be realistic. Mm -hmm. And what I want to do is I want to highlight tonight what the implications would be of cutting beef out just for one month and giving you that power and showing you what you've done in one month's time and seeing how you feel about it, I, I think is all I really want to do. And then leave you there to make your own decision, whether or not you want to continue on a path like this or alter yourself in other ways. You might want to go an extreme and become a vegan, which I, God bless you vegan people out there because I have, I cannot do that. I do like cheese as much as I do not <clears throat> partake in dairy that often outside of my coffee and like cheeses. I really don't have a lot of dairy at all like I don't drink milk anymore I don't even really eat ice cream which is kind of weird but it's weird because I don't I, I don't desire it anymore but those are all my personal decisions I'm not going to impose those upon any of you um I'm just like I said I'm going to lay down a couple of facts and then leave it on you so Andy I, I think if we go through with this thing it should start immediately tonight have Have you had beef recently oh yes my friend when before the, coming here? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> just absolutely. Down. At, at, at uh, 4.30 this afternoon. <laughs> yep. My last, uh, my last beef meal for a month. It was 4.30. How, 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 um, how often do you eat beef? Honestly, maybe once every two weeks. Really? That Honestly, frequently? Yes, yes. I thought you, you ate it way more than that. No, no, no. no, no. So this should be like a, a drop in the bucket for you. This should be like, no, if you, if you decide to go through it, this mm-hmm. should be no, no big deal for you. Okay, that's interesting. I thought you ate more beef. No, okay, well, no, no. I, I used to when I was when I was younger. I, I would eat a lot of beef. I would try to eat as much steak and hamburgers as possible. But now, you know, I eat hamburgers once every two weeks and a steak, maybe once a month, maybe once a month. So, all right. So let's say to be fair, let's say uh, December first is your cutoff date. That's can fine. you deal with that? Absolutely, I can do that. Because nobody really eats beef on Thanksgiving. So I, I don't think I'd be taking anything away from you. No, so you are like Italian, so you guys just have like the beef on. No, um, well, I don't really do a lot of uh, Italian shit anymore. Since okay. My uh, my my dad passed away, so yeah, we kind of do our own things now. So gotcha. Yeah, but you know, whatever. And anyway, it was mostly at Christmas time, so you're saving me anyway. 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So this will go on to December first. I just want to be be sure and lay down, you know, the the the, the guidelines here. And this goes for you guys listening too, if you want to play along at home. Um, Let's do this in December first. I've got my uh, my notebook here. So, uh, All right, he's got his notebook. Yeah. So I think the easiest way to go through this, um, and I just want to say I want I want to to ask everybody, our listeners. I don't usually push you guys on this kind of stuff, but I do want to ask everybody listening abroad to consider taking this challenge along with Andy um, to make an impact on the environment. It'll make an impact on on yourself, on even on your loved ones. It'll take a month out of your life to experience something for yourself that could be life-changing in, in a weird kind of way. And in the process, you will do some really good for the environment. So you, you have no idea what I'm talking about. So let me get down to what I'm going to do. Is Andy, I'm going to walk you through. Um, there's a new movie, and you guys listening on the podcast could do this at home too, um, called Cowspiracy. That has Cowspiracy. Um, that has popped up recently on Netflix. And, and you guys, if, if you're listening at home on the podcast, you can – Play along if you want by bringing this movie up on your Netflix. Would this be a movie that you would uh, Netflix <clears throat> and chill with? You would Netflix and chill with this, nice. um, for sure. And and basically what it is, it's, it's a movie that's produced by Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay. And, um, so it's not Oscar-worthy. No, it's not. Exactly. You won't see getting any Oscars. Mere misses, maybe. Uh, you might get nominated, but it's not going to get missed. I'll still it's, check it out. No, it, it's worth a check out. It's a really good watch. Um, because I know these, these kind of movies have become cliche. Like, like Food Inc. I know that was Yeah, one. yeah. And, or and was the other one? Fork? Or even whatever it is. Even like on a political level, some of them are. Like Michael Moore brought these kinds of films into popularity. Yeah, whatever. Like, yeah. And, and um, a lot of them have all different extreme views. Now, this one I don't think is really kind of pitching an extreme view. The real focus of this movie is... Um, showing the impact that the beef industry has, especially in the environment. Um, the producer and the, the director of this movie, um, he basically went to several different um, nature organizations and asked them what the biggest factor was in you know things like deforestation. So they went to places like <clears throat> like the Nature Conservancy. WWF. Um, I think they were on the list. There's a couple others. They went to Greenpeace. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was interesting. And basically, he got shut out, and it just kind of showed the impact that the beef industry has, even on the environmental organizations. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to play his movie uh, some parts, and I guess we'll kind of chat along as we go on there. And and I, I think this movie does drive some good points home that I want to highlight with you, Andy. Okay. We'll see how, how it goes through. That's fine. Okay. This is Anna Locke from the Human Centipede 2, and you're listening to Urban Jungle Radio. Join Danny Mendez live every Friday night at 10 p.m. in his quest to bring you the very best in cold blooded entertainment. From special guest appearances to Geeky Today. Join me to the Urban Jungle Radio. Before we get started, how um how sexy are those new T-shirts and hoodies we got, man? I'm I'm loving them so. I'm loving them so much. Hey, hey, hello, hello. I'm loving them so much, man. They uh they're sexy, soft. Right? They are so soft, man. And I'm not just saying this because they're our T-shirts. They are probably the softest T-shirts that I will ever own. We we hunted high and low for a really good, soft, high quality T-shirt, mm-hmm. and we found it. You uh, you asked Finally. me what I what we wanted or what I wanted personally in a t-shirt, and my number one thing is comfy. Yep, comfortable. It's it's got to be soft. 
it's got to be comfortable. I'm wearing this thing for 12 plus hours, 13 hours. I may even sleep in the damn thing. <laughs> I do, in fact. But, um, but you know, you, you want something that's going to feel comfortable on your skin. You don't want it to be heavy. Even in the, in the wintertime, you don't want some a t-shirt to be heavy. You want to be able to layer, man. Yep. You want to you have something nice and light that's going to wick off moisture easy and it's not going to be sogged down. And you want a shirt you can wear while herping and out in mm-hmm. the woods and being outdoors. Um, you know, so that's why we we, we stopped. And, and, uh, and over, over the years, the various shows that we go to, I like looking at different t-shirts. Yeah. Different styles, different looks. And I always find, I, I find myself gravitating towards the... Uh, the softer, like a ring-spun cotton-type T-shirts or like uh, the, the cotton-wicking-type T-shirt. And uh, one of my favorite ones that we have, or that I have, is uh, one we got from Neville Byrne mm-hmm. in March. Neville, yeah, Neville oh my God, T-shirts are really good. Shirt. Yeah, they're really it's good It's so comfortable. Um, well, that, that's where we got this just really cool um, next-level and it literally tri-blend. is next level. That's it, that's the brand. It is it's next it level. Is. It's next level. Um, it's a tri blend moisture wicking material. It's mm-hmm. really really nice and light. Um, and it's got our nice huge big logo smacked on the back. Our new Thalassine logo, which is the first time we printed on in a garment, and um, it's really nice. And then in the front, of course, our our trademark UJR splash logo in red. And uh, it's a pretty badass shirt. We have them in two colors. And ma- mother- macchiato. Mofo macchiato. Mofo macchiato. <laughs> and, uh, and military green. And um, they're 30 bucks shipped. And I know it's pricey for a t-shirt, but I promise you, this is going to be the best t-shirt you've ever yeah. had in your life. It is so worth it. It is just super, super nice. So we have those. And we also have hoodies. Yeah. Really, really cool hoodies. Now, UJR hoodies are kind of a thing of legend. Um, people getting, have wanted them forever. We're tested by by people that that want them that always miss out. Here they are, and we got them. So they're really come nice, come super forward, soft, man. super soft vintage style hoodies mm-hmm. with the logo looking badass on the back mm-hmm. and, and the front. Um, it's not it's not over the top full of logo, nope. so you don't look like a race car. And mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it's really nice moss green, really badass hoodies. So mm-hmm. um, make sure you check them out. I put them up on Facebook recently, so you check them out on Facebook. And those are uh, sixty bucks shipped. Sure. Also yeah. worth it, trust me, because they are super soft, super nice. And super we will nice. be shipping them to Canada. So yeah, just hit me up. Um, everybody can hit us up at uh, on Facebook or on Twitter at UJ Radio. Um, email me direct, danny at urbanjungles.com, and uh, I will give you instructions on how to move forward with your purchase. But trust mm-hmm. me, you're going to want to get these because I have them in a limited number, and um, they're going quickly. So get your hands on them. Andy, so Andy, Andy. Yes, sir. Let's do this. Are you ready, man? I'm, I'm waiting on you, my friend. I'm waiting on you. <laughs> you're, the one, you're the one who's going to be... Filling my mind with knowledge we take, we and information. Take, so we take conservation seriously here. At UJR. Yes, we do. And it's come to my attention. Some people really say that you can't refer to yourself as a conservationist if you eat meat of any kind. So I hope to explain this a little more clearly as the episode progresses. And, and Andy, I want to take you, and I, I want to to wake you up like like Neo from the Matrix. I, I want to show you that you're part of a machine, and you don't even know it. Um, in the process, you're you're being profited off of. You're you're, you're killing yourself. Okay. You're contributing stop. to. Stop. Stop. It is no, the stop. madness, Andy. No, I'm telling you. No, I'm stop. telling you. Stop. No, seriously. Okay, listen. No, wait. No, let I'm me, telling let you me. to stop. No, Simply no, no, because. No. 
Cool. You said you weren't going to be preachy. I'm not preachy. I'm not that's, preachy. That's but, very preachy sounding. Okay, it's preachy sounding, but you have to understand that you, you just need to consider this as as the episode goes on, and 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 you, so don't, you know, pre- it's, don't it's, preface I, anything. I'm not. I'm not. But it's just, it's going to sound. This is the only part that's going to sound like really conspiracy theory ish. But you have to just understand. Just take a moment this evening to realize the reach organization has over you in a lot of different ways, right? Just just consider that. That's all I'll leave it at, okay? That's all I'll leave it at. So let's get started with some clips. All from, right, Michael Moore, from, go. From the <laughs> it's not that bad, man. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> something went up, wrong. Conspiracy, folks. Conspiracy. <laughs> the, beef oh. the beef industry is trying to keep me from showing you Andy. Trying to show you the truth, showing you the truth of what is going on out there. And, and the, you see, Andy, you that. laugh, right? You laugh. This is the second time, folks. Second see, time, I, something I, went wrong three it, times. It was playing fine. It was, oh, it well. was up. Good. I guess I won't be educated tonight, <sighs> people. Unbelievable. See, you may have to uh, restart Netflix, or it knows that this isn't the type of movie that you Netflix and chill at. So it took great offense to that. See, it's totally, totally. See, with, with the knowledge that I dropped on you earlier, that I eat beef, you know, every other week, and I have a steak once a month, maybe, we should try to up the ante here and, you know, challenge me to uh, avoid chicken as well. See, I would, but then I feel two things. I feel that that can't come from me because it's a little hypocritical since I eat chicken. And I feel that you should take one step at a time. Like I, I thought you were more of a beef eater than you are. So um, I'm not British, <laughs> or excuse me, English. <laughs> oh my god, there goes half of my audience. <laughs> blah 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 English. Blah 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 meat. I'm blah blah blah. My crumpets elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, dude! I cannot believe this. I can. Um. I guess I'm going to have to start restart this whole entire goddamn yep. computer live on air because, you know. That's the challenges of uh, of live uh, podcasting, folks. There's no take two. There's no uh, cut. We just roll with the punches. <laughs> we just roll with the punches. There's a lot of cursing the machines that don't do anything for us. But this mm-hmm. is all part of the um, the beef industry conspiracy. Of course it is. Of course it is. You laugh, Andy. Have I laughed? I've got a shit-eating grin on my face. You're like, you would not We're not doing something on, on Big Sugar because then we'd have people following us home. Yeah, we would. I'm not ready for that one. I've already stopped eating a good number of items that have palm oil or stuff like that in it. So you've already taken away a lot of the stuff that I like to eat already. So... You see, and and, that's and being as how it's Halloween, there's candy out the ass, literally. All palm oil. Of course it is. Of course it is. You see, and here's the crazy thing. Hopefully, if I can convey this to you this evening, is that, you know, you're a pretty environmentally minded guy. Like you, you I try to be. You try to be. You recycle, and mm-hmm. you know, you you do your part, and you try to get things without palm oil in them, and you know, and and these are all commendable things, but I have to take it one step further. You do have to take it a step further, because it's it's devastating. 
to to realize how much in the end that really means nothing. Nothing compared to the price of literally a hamburger. Like, the price of a hamburger... Here, watch. Turn the volume off so people can actually hear it. Everywhere. But as the years went by, it seemed as if things were getting worse. I had to wonder, with all the continuing ecological crisis facing the planet, even if every single one of us adopted these conservation habits, was this really going to be enough to save the world? It just seemed that there was something more to the story. I thought I was doing everything I could to help the planet. But then, with one friend's post, everything changed. The Post sent me to a report online published by the United Nations stating that raising livestock produces more greenhouse gases than the emissions of the entire transportation sector. This means that the meat and dairy industry produces more greenhouse gases than the exhaust of all cars, trucks, trains, boats, planes combined. Cows and other farmed animals produce a substantial amount of methane from the digestive process. Methane gas from livestock is 86 times more destructive than carbon dioxide from vehicles. Here, I've been riding my bike everywhere to help reduce emissions, but it turns out there's more to climate change than just fossil fuels. I started doing more research. The UN, along with other agencies, reported that not only did livestock play a major role in global warming, it is also the leading cause of resource consumption and environmental degradation destroying the planet today. How is it possible I wasn't aware of this? I thought this information would be plastered everywhere in the environmental community. I went to the nation's largest environmental organization's website, 350.org, Greenpeace, Sierra Club, Climate Reality, Rainforest Action Network, Amazon Watch, and was shocked to see they had virtually nothing on animal agriculture. What was going on? Why wouldn't they have this information on the main page? It seemed the main focus for many of these groups is natural gas and oil production, with fracking being the latest hot issue due to water usage and contamination. Hydraulic fracturing for natural gas uses an incredible amount of water staggering 100 billion gallons of water is used every year in the United States. But when I compare this with animal agriculture, raising livestock just in the U.S. consumes 34 trillion gallons of water. And it turns out the methane emissions from both industries are nearly equal. Living in California, a state plagued by drought and water shortages, water use is a major concern for many of us. The average Californian uses about 1,500 gallons per person per day. Um, about half of that is related to the consumption of meat and dairy products. So meat and dairy products are incredibly water-intensive, um, in part because <clears throat> the animals are using very water-intensive grains. That's what they, they eat. Um, and so all of the water embedded in, in the grain and that the animal eats essentially is, is considered the virtual water footprint of that product. I found out that one quarter pound hamburger requires over 660 gallons of water to produce. Here I've been taking short showers trying to save water, and to find out just eating one hamburger is the equivalent of showering two entire months. So much attention is given to lowering our home water use, yet domestic water use is only 5% of what is consumed in the U.S., versus 55% for animal agriculture. That's because it takes upwards of 2,500 gallons of water to produce one pound of beef. I went on the government's Department of Water Resources Save Our Water campaign, where it outlines behavior changes to help conserve our water, like using low-flow shower heads, efficient toilets, water-saving appliances, and fix leaky faucets and sprinkler heads, but nothing about animal agriculture. 
When I added up all the government's recommendations, I was saving 47 gallons a day. But still, that's not even close to the 660 gallons of water for just one burger. I wanted to see if I could somehow talk with the government about this. Just calling to see if we could schedule. Okay, now it's going to go on <clears throat> and talk a little bit about some of his, <coughs> show highlight some of his exploits and reaching out to these people. Now, Andy, think about that. As somebody who is conservation-minded, now you would think doing something as simple as you know, riding your bike could really make a difference. And you'd like to think that it really makes a difference in the world by not you know, using your car pollution. But the cattle industry just dominates that. I mean, just blows away the entire station industry. That's every plane, every train, every car, every motorcycle, like every goddamn vehicle that runs and adds to emissions is dwarfed by methane and greenhouse gases in general produced by the beef industry. Now, as a conservationist, does that not alarm you? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, uh, <clears throat> that's a scary number that he's, uh, that he's given out there. And think about the water, the water usage thing alone. I mean, when we put that into scale that if you adopt all these changes that these organizations request of you, at best you're saving, you know, 48 gallons a day. One hamburger, 660. 60 gallons of water. Seriously, think about that, Andy. That's freaking mind-blowing, man. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. that's craziness. Mm-hmm. That's, you cannot, you're taking water away from the, the cute salamanders, Andy. You love the salamanders. You really do. Who doesn't want salamanders? You love the salamanders. You're taking away their water, Andy, for your hamburger. I know. I know. For steak. Hamburger. And your steak. Yep. You can you can sleep in that burning bed, Andy. I bet not burning. <laughs> seriously, those cute the cute frogs, Andy. They're all like, we're shriveling, we're dying. Because there's no water, and, and chytrid fungus is destroying el- elsewhere. Yeah, you want a hamburger, you selfish prick? Yes, yes, it's uh, all ribbit, me. Ribbit. It's all me. <laughs> yeah. All me. Damn it, white boy. <laughs> Why are you taking out water? <laughs> <laughs> yep, all me. Seriously, because you wanted that hamburger, Andy. You're like, oh, I just put in a big day at Urban Jungles Radio at this blankety blank expo. I'm so hungry. <laughs> I'm going to go for a burger. No, you know what? Fuck that. I'm Andy V. I'm going to go for a cheesesteak, a Philly cheesesteak sandwich. And then you'd be like, Triple the beef, yo. <laughs> Out of every single expo that we've ever done, have you ever heard me utter those words? Triple the beef, yo. <laughs> Do you really want me <laughs> to go into that? Yeah. No, seriously. And 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 you eat you you eat beef from where away? Absolutely. You had yes. the meatballs from the the, the 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 we got balls. The we got balls truck truck. Yes, with my poutine. <laughs> <laughs> fucking love that poutine. Yep. Seriously though, like as an environmentalist, you have to just ponder that for a moment. You have to ponder the implications of even just the scale of one burger. Six hundred sixty gallons. Of That's water. a lot of water for for one burger. It it is a, a 
It's an astounding number. As you hear these numbers, too, think about them in perspective with the rest of the population. How many gallons of water versus how many people there are in the world that need that water? You know, it's quite astounding. Maybe, maybe that's part of the issue. Maybe the population of the world is part of the issue. Well, there's absolutely no doubt about that. No maybe, doubt. Maybe some of the practices that we have for raising cattle should be changed, without a doubt. There's just, there's just, there's no way to to change that unless you're going to be like, oh, go all Hitler and shit, and like decimate well, like the population. Though, yeah, I get that. Like there's nothing you can do about that, you know. So that's something to think about, and and you have to think about how this affects the other species that also share this planet with us. Let's let's check out the next clip and so you can you can maybe get a little better understanding of that, Andy. I'm just gonna kill myself now. <clears throat> if I if I just start, I, I should. You should. It's a hamburger. The price of that hamburger. Today, only 10,000 years later, which is really this is a good point. Hold on, let me back up because this is a good point. Okay, back up. I like that dude. I don't know. So bizarre. I supported these organizations for so long. He's been calling them, and they're like, "Now, fuck you. We don't want to talk about beef." I was, however, able to connect with a handful of environmental authors and advocates that were willing to address this issue. I took my old trusty band, Super Blue, out of retirement and hit the road. So my calculations are that without using any gas or oil or fuel ever again from this day forward, that we would still exceed our maximum carbon equivalent greenhouse gas emissions, uh, the 565 gigatons, by the year 2030, without the electricity sector even or energy sector even factoring in the equation, all simply by eating, raising the livestock. You reduce the amount of methane emissions, the level in the atmosphere goes down, goes down fairly quickly within decades, as opposed to CO2, if you reduce the emissions to the atmosphere, you don't really see a signal in the atmosphere for 100 years or so. It's an environmental disaster that's being ignored by the very people who should be championing deforestation, land use, water scarcity, the destabilization of communities, world hunger. The list doesn't stop. Free living animals made up, 10,000 years ago, made up 99% of the biomass. And human beings, we only made up 1% of the biomass. Today, only 10,000 years later, which is really just a fraction of time, we human beings and the animals that we own as property make up 98% of the biomass. And wild, we live in the animals, make up only 2%. We basically completely stolen the world, Earth, from we living animals to use for ourselves and our cows and pigs and chickens and taxi and fish. And the oceans have been even more <laughs> devastated. Concerned researchers of the loss of species uh, agree that the primary cause of loss of species on our Earth that we're witnessing is due to overgrazing and habitat loss from livestock production on land and by overfishing, which I call fishing, in our oceans. We're in the middle of the largest mass extinction of species in 65 million years. The rainforest is being cut down at the rate of an acre per second. And the driving force behind all of this is animal agriculture, cutting down the forest graze animals, and grow soybeans, uh, genetically engineered soybeans to feed the cows and pigs and chickens and factory farm fish. 91% of the loss of the rainforest in the Amazon area thus far to date, 91% has been destroyed due to raising livestock. The leading cause of environmental destruction is, is animal agriculture. 
I just couldn't understand why the world's largest environmental organizations were not addressing this when their entire mission is to help protect the environment. But that's the same too. They say you know, we use less coal, less bike, less you know, Yeah. I think they think it's. I think they focus exclusively and it's a political reason. In terms of yeah, because they're they're members of organizations, you know, a lot of them. They're looking to maximize the number of people making contributions, and if they get identified as being anti-meat or challenging people on their everyday habits, that's something that's so dear to people that uh, it will hurt with their fundraising. They do not want to address the primary driving cause of environmental devastation, which is animal agriculture, because they're businesses and they want to make sure that they have reliable source of funding. I had uh, I invited to a meeting with Al Gore and, um, some years ago now, and, and maybe methane arguments. He was really pushed back. And that, that's just his argument. Hard enough to get people to think about CO2. Don't confuse them. I think that the problem with a lot of organizations that are focused and have a laser focus uh, don't go off message because they don't want to piss off another whole group of people that will make their lives difficult. You listen to the majority of the, of the major environmental organizations, they're not telling you to do much besides live your life the way you've been living it, but change your life from time to time, drive less, use less plastic, recycle more. It's better for their fundraising and better for their profile to create a victim and perpetrator sort of plot line. You know, it's like when we talk about um, the fact that when we have a dysfunctional family and the father's an alcoholic, that's the one thing no one talks about here. Everybody goes around. All right, we're getting into like, these crazy analogies, which we don't care about because it's just about him being ignored. But once again, Andy, there was some serious stuff that went down. If you think about the numbers, and it's it's quite significant, especially I think one of the most important numbers that he discussed was when you think about it from a sense of biomass. Um, you know, ten just over ten thousand years ago, humans made up less than two percent of the total biomass on this planet. Now, humans and their animals, which are primarily animals used as livestock for food, comprise over ninety-eight percent of the biomass on this planet. We are completely draining, draining it. Absolutely, I agree with that hundred percent. It's all for our driving desire for me. And it's crazy. I, I, I know just, it starts to sound conspiracy theory. It does, but. because you're you're focusing on one aspect of it. I, I think it's more about consumption. And I think that's the larger picture. Yeah, it's being it's being driven down to one aspect. It is consumption because cause obviously that that's we do live in, in this world where consumption has reached this fever pitch where it's ridiculous how it's, much it's what mean, drives us it's, as it's a ridiculous species. though how much we consume as yeah. a species. It, no, it is. It's what kind of drives us now as a species, which is crazy. But one of the biggest items consumed is meat and meat products. Mm-hmm. If you look about what percentage it makes up of somebody's diet, and here's the impact of that. This is the direct result of that. Is we have animals being pushed out of their environments. They have ninety-one percent. I mean, we always talk about the rainforest, and I know there are other factors. Of course there are. Mm-hmm. Um, they drive this, but 91% of the driving factor for rainforests in Brazil is deforestation simply to either make room for animals for agriculture or to grow food for the animals in agriculture. But at the same time, aren't they just they're cutting down swaths of, of rainforest? 
for logging industry as well. They are, but that is like a one-shot deal as opposed to now they're going to keep reusing this land for the cattle and I understand that. I and understand it perpetuates, that. you know, as, as opposed to like where they would just cut up a swath and keep moving like they do in deforestation. So it's not only that purpose, but this is it's one of the driving factors that keep that land from ever returning back to a healthy forested state is the fact that it's being used for this kind of animal agriculture. And that's as crazy as a species, we have to look at that because the rainforests are vital. I know this is what we're taught as little kids mm-hmm. in grammar school, but it's so fucking true. And even on this basic level, it doesn't sink in that without these goddamn rainforests, we're dead. Mm-hmm. We're dead. They they are responsible for so much of the global population's oxygen consumption mm-hmm. and production. Mm-hmm. So like, it's like a huge deal. And here we are staring at these issues and one of the major driving forces behind them but we cannot be inconvenienced. Even it's not like we're t- we're asking people to to reduce the amount of food that they eat or 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 you know ration yourselves or or something significant like that. We're just asking people to change their dietary practices. Even if people reduced it, you know, to just like once a week, the implications would be enormous. You know, now, is that something that's answered in this stuff? It is, and they say that as long as you are eating meat, you're still contributing to it. You know, you're contributing to it this percentage less, but you're still contributing to it at the end. So you're still making a market. So they, in this documentary, which is which is why I, I was saying with this stuff, I know we've been goofing around a lot about this all day, but um, like when it comes to these documentaries, like I don't buy everything they throw at you. You know, you give and take what you can from it. And right, so right. they're telling you that the only way to be a true conservationist is to completely cut meat out of your diet and no longer support the market and the industry. Essentially, to become a vegan. Right. Um, and I don't know. Like I, I, I don't believe that's true. I, I think, I think it is true from the most basic of senses. But I think too that if somebody can significantly reduce the amount of meat that they eat in their diet. It has to have some kind of a positive impact. I'm sure it does. I'm you sure know, it has a, a positive impact <clears throat> both environmentally and for yourself too. Yeah, and, and definitely for yourself. But like I said, that's not even <clears throat> my throat today. That's not even something that that I'm even trying to push as much on this. You know, with the impact that it has on your own health, which are are huge, are significantly important, um, and and tangible. But that's a whole other ball of wax. So I don't know. But one thing that the people don't understand, don't realize too, is how it affects not only terrestrial environments, but but also aquatic ones as well. So yeah, listen. Greenpeace's response reminded me of a statistic that 116,000 pounds of farm animal excrement is produced every second in the United States alone. That is enough waste per year to cover every square foot of San Francisco, New York City, Tokyo. Paris, New Delhi, Berlin, Hong Kong, London, Rio de Janeiro, Delaware, Bali, Costa Rica, and Denmark combined. They threw in Delaware just because Delaware <laughs> created more than 500 nitrogen-flooded dead zones around the world in our oceans, comprised more than 95,000 square miles of areas completely devoid of life. So in meaningful discussion about the state of our oceans, as to always begin by frank discussion about 
land-based animal agriculture, which is not what our conservation groups, Oceana being the largest one in the world right now, uh, the most influential, as well as others. It's not what is at the apex of their discussion. I went on my favorite ocean protection organization crazy. website, Surflighter Foundation, to see what they were doing about this. Mostly what I found were campaigns about plastic. Well, this is great. Okay, this isn't really important to our discussion, but I just want you to watch this. This company is Surfrider. Okay, so this is what happens when a surfer dude grows up and has to get a job. Okay? This is, he becomes, this, okay. he becomes the CEO of Surfrider. Bags and trash, but nothing about animal agriculture. Can wait to see this? What is the number one coastal water quality issue polluter? Like, yeah, I mean, a lot of it. It's actually I call we call it the like the toxic cocktail because it really like, is out like, there. Your store, so stuff everywhere. Um, you know, heavy metal from tires and brakes and cars, heavy metal. Um, it is herbicides and pesticides. It's really just <sighs> it's not really picking up the it's everywhere. Everything we leave on the ground, and in the summer together and pushing it out. Summer, so love it's hard it. to actually target like one thing. Awesome. Okay, it's not but isn't that dude great? This is where we're going to deviate for a real quick second. I'm sure what he's, it's, it's hard for me to take seriously what he's saying with his Peter Brady perm and sideburns. He should be wearing a little tiki. I he totally sounds like the turtle from Finding Nemo. Yes, he does. <laughs> so isn't that great that he is the CEO of Surf Rider? <laughs> yeah. I mean, anyway. that's, that's the type of guy you would like. I was expecting more like a a bleach blonde, long hair kind of dude. He's a doctor. But I mean, it's it's hard for me to to focus on what he's saying, so I'm I'm willing to give him a shot. But it's hard for me to focus. Uh, all right. Anyway, we'll shoot past him. But but you see, this this is my point. With with showing you that clip is that it, it affects not only terrestrial environments but aquatic environments as well. Oh sure, yeah. Meat consumption affects the oceans without the actual part of it affecting the oceans. Um, meat consumption, if we have time, we can go over it here, um, directly affects the oceans in the way that fish are caught. You know, they're caught in these giant trawlers, mm -hmm. and these giant trawlers just basically scoop everything up. So the biggest cost in that is for those, you know, X amount of pounds of tuna or mackerel, there are X, X pounds of bycatch in the form of sea turtles, dolphins, sharks, sharks rays, yep. Yep. you know, all kinds of crazy stuff like that. So Non-target fish, non-fish, mammals. Things. That yep. hamburger affects these animals too, believe it or not. How, you ask? We just saw it directly in, in, in polluting our waterways. It's created dead zones in the actual fucking ocean. The ocean has dead zones because of how much pollution, how much runoff, fertilizer, and runoff from these giant farms. Dude, have you ever driven through these giant farms? They're fucking so gross. No. Like, during, like, uh, like Virginia, D.C., Carolina area. When I'm area. driving through there, I just stay on 95. Dude, just oh, my God. 95. Like, when you go to, like, Purdue. Oh, oh my God. Oh, I've been past there. Oh, oh my yeah. God. It's just miles and miles of, like, ammonia stuff. Think and it's horrible. That shit makes it into the waterways. And that shit is, is what kills not only like our amphibians that are hypersensitive to it, but it actually makes its way down and creates these dead zones. So it's all madness, man. It's all the price of these fucking hamburgers. So Andy, once again, take take this take this fact and 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 ruminate as I, I bring you more. Nice nice wordage. Ruminate. As we're talking about cattle, called cereal depletion. Aptly named. 
in the process. So the fish are being lost, not only not only the species are being lost, but the next talking about overfishing. Is being lost, and then the mechanism is still extremely destructive. So they're losing the fish species, but it needs to be kept in mind they're also destroying habitat. I think they came up with this term, sustainable fishing, to make ourselves feel good about eating fish and continuing to take fish out of the ocean, when, in fact, really, it's Sea Shepherd's position that there is no such thing as sustainable fishing. Seafood is not a protein source for uh, a sustainable protein source for the, for the uh, feeding of the planet, for the people on the planet. It's not. People don't want to hear it because that makes them feel like they have to take action. They have to stop doing something, and a lot of people don't want to. And people don't want to they, – they don't want to put it out there because it's uncomfortable. They don't want to propose to tell people what to do, but we're at a point where we all have to be cognizant and we have to realize and we have to take an action. Our founder, Captain Watson, likes to say, if the oceans die, we die. That's not a tagline. That's the truth. Perhaps the only other ecosystem that is being destroyed at such a rapid rate of the world's rainforests. Our global rainforests are essentially the planet's lungs. They breathe in CO2 and exhale oxygen. An acre of rainforest is cleared every second, and the leading cause is to graze animals and grow their food crops. That is essentially an entire football field cleared every single second. And it is estimated that every day, close to 100 plant, animal, and insect species are lost due to rainforest destruction. Think of that, Andy. Think about it. Think about that. Smothered in ketchup. Is your giant all beef patties special sauce? Double death burger. I never get special sauce on <laughs> In the time I said this sentence, we've just lost five football fields worth of rainforest for your hamburger. Oh, you're so overdramatic. <laughs> for your hamburger in a world <laughs> where hamburgers equal death, you've just killed off. 27 Amazon tree boas, 5,000. That's enough in the population. Okay. Dart frogs. Two Sicilians. Whatever, I don't care about that. And a partridge in a guava tree. They live in guava tree. <laughs> they do in, in, in Brazil. <laughs> I don't know about that. All for your hamburger, Andy. All for my hamburger. I hope your charboiled death was worth it. It was the best hamburger I had. It was a good one. Here, have some fries of annihilation. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting carried over this place. I like this place. You did. <laughs> but seriously, man, that's a major, major impact that it has on the rainforest. And, and it, it's tangible in that way. You know, you can see it. It's literally and, you know, on it, a per second I'm, basis. I'm, I'm keeping an open mind with this entire thing, and you know I'm entertaining you to a certain degree because you know you're my friend, so I want to I don't want to shit on you until you go fuck yourself. I'm just gonna do what I want to do anyway. But I'm you know I'm giving you you know the benefit of the doubt. You know I'll, I'll give it a shot. I have no problem with that. But like I said, 
you know, having a hamburger every once every two weeks and a steak once a month, you know, it's not as impactful as eating red meat or eating a steak every day or eating hamburgers every day. You think so? Absolutely. They said it themselves. You said it yourself a little while ago. I said it would probably be better, but ideally, yeah. if you're going to follow this doc and... If you're going to follow this doc or any doc no, similar I think to this, if you're going to take you're going to kill yourself. I think if you really that's take that's, this what you're, that's what what it comes down well, to. Think, is that a bad thing? <laughs> For some people, no. We need to thin the population. For some people, no. That's the point. Let me show you. Let me show you how just how unsustainable this whole entire thing is. But here, think, here's the thing. You're, you're telling me this stuff like I don't know. No, Andy. You don't is. know, Andy. That's why we're here telling you tonight. Andy, you don't know. All right, hipster Danny. <laughs> why don't you put your smog on and, and talk to me about this? It's no wash. I dropped, <laughs> I dropped it in the mud. <laughs> this is what I'm not wearing it today. Where's <laughs> my smog? There's a security blanket for you. It is. I had to stand up and continue. All these doctors and authors and, and people that he has on to interview. All they're doing is writing books. They're you know, maybe are they are they lecturing? Are they the ones going to these big environmental companies and trying to teach their people how to better manage and better save the planet. Are they doing that? Or are they sitting, you know, in, in their offices in the colleges and whatnot teaching? They can't because they're doing now or they work for different organizations where it'd be a conflict of interest for them to say anything. You know? Like like these people work for the fracking industry. Like they know that shit's fucked up, but they're not gonna say anything about it. I mean So the people okay, wait with with that the people that he's interviewing for this at least what I've seen, because I haven't seen the whole thing. One of them could be working for the fracking industry, and uh, they're talking about cattle and the swaths of acres that are taken out from the rainforest every second, and they're not worrying about fracking and what it's actually doing to the water. So that well, has just as much... Yeah, but that's the point of this documentary, is that they are basically putting their fingers at everything but this, even though the implications of this are well known already. So, like, you know, for instance, they're going and talking to these organizations that are doing things in the ocean, and they're denying. They're not denying it, but it's not a big thing. Even, like, the Rainforest Action Network, he approaches here, it's the Rainforest Action Network. You right, think right. they would know what, you know, the leading impacts are on, in rainforest. And they they refuse to recognize this is the beef industry as being one of the major drivers, and they're making believe it doesn't exist. Why? Ultimately, because, as you see... In in this no spoilers, no spoilers. Well, I, I think it's I, I mentioned it earlier. Why is the fact that you know just like I mentioned in that clip, that these these are businesses. Exactly. They rely on donations and exactly. they're lobbying groups, and they they won't say anything because the beef industry is it pays a lot of money. Just to, like PETA, just like just exactly. And that's yeah. why we are continued to be. And I hate to sound like the hipster here and stuff, but this is why we're going to be continued to be poisoned and lied to by our own government because. It's in everybody's best interest to just shut up and make the money and screw everybody, the general public. Mm-hmm. That's why we have to pay almost double for organic food that hasn't been touched by GMOs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just the ridiculous like lifestyle that we have to live because of this kind of shit. So it's frustrating, man. It really is. Maybe this is fine. 
Um, watch this dude and tell me. When you're living with them, they get used to you. Sucks. You know, they don't, or they're not intimidated or whatever. And so they make all their vocal sounds like natural. Slow down. Did you raise those up? Okay. Now we're going to keep you. Run. These two go first. Being smart wise, um, compared to a chicken. Okay, what is who is this guy? Pause this before he goes further. He's just some dude who raises ducks in his yard for consumption. Oh, okay. So he's not a farmer per se. He's a farmer. He, he raises ducks. He's a duck farmer. That's, that's all he does. Yeah. Okay. So my point is to illustrate is this. Yeah, I'm not watching this. Would you be able to do this? I'm not watching this. You have to watch it. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not fucking watching this, dude. Nope. Ain't happening. <laughs> How do you think your food gets to you? I don't eat duck. Right there. You think your beef doesn't get the same thing? Same treatment? Oh, I'm sure it does. I'm not. I don't watch it. That's the problem. I'm not watching this shit. <laughs> the candy. It's done. That's going to be a little gruesome. Hmm? You're not. That's uh, no. <laughs> He's not watching yeah. Andy. He's just not watching. Oh, <laughs> I'm not watching. Well, I'm not. I'm not watching anything like so, that. So you you think you you think it's okay then to be able to eat this stuff and not watch it die? No, you asked me before if I was able to do that. I know, but I'm just saying, like even I, now, I wouldn't be able to. No. Would you be able to watch your food die in front no, of you? No, absolutely not. No. Interesting. If, like how we how people choose when they're when they go to a lobster when they go get a lobster to eat right at a seafood place, they choose their own lobster, right? You've chosen a lobster. No, I don't eat lobster. I don't eat shellfish. Okay. With the exception of maybe a shrimp or two. But that's at a special event. And, like, run away! Run away! <laughs> but um. I wouldn't be able to like someone if someone walked a cow or a chicken past my table and said which which one are you gonna have tonight? I wouldn't be able to choose one to have it slaughtered so that I could eat it. I don't. I know that it happens, and you know, consciously, I'm aware of shit like that all the time. Which I re- I refuse to watch anything that has to do with it. killing an animal like that. I'd rather watch a a, a human be get beheaded than watch a duck get beheaded. Here he comes, your Komodo dragon. <laughs> Remember the freshman? He was like I haven't wheeling. Seen I haven't seen that. <gasps> you haven't seen that? You have to, I haven't I, seen I it forever. In forever. You have to, you yeah, have to yeah. rewatch that. The, the dude is, is wheeling around the Komodo dragon on like a big ice bucket, right. which is a giant water dragon. And uh, which I don't know if that Grant Crossman had like to do with that film, which is pretty funny. And um, they're wheeling this thing around on ice, <laughs> and the guy's like, he's like, here he comes, your Komodo dragon. <laughs> Forgot about that. Anyway, um, yeah, no, I'm just curious because that's another thing. It's like, is it hypocritical to 
not to a certain be degree, able. Oh, absolutely. To a certain degree, it absolutely is hypocritical. Absolutely. Oh. Like I don't I don't eat veal because I know exactly how it's made. I won't eat foie gras because oh. I know exactly how it's made. Foie gras is some vicious shit, dude. It's also very gross. It's it is. Think about the uh, what it actually is. It's like mm-hmm. ill. You're fucking want like a fatty livered mm-hmm. animal, like. Yeah. Yep. Have you seen what a fatty liver looks like? Yes. It's gross. Yep. It's gross. All right. Well, I guess in in closing, let's look at what these guys talk about and as far sure. as spaces required and shit for people. Primitive approach of only wild animals everywhere, and we go back to like a hunter gatherer system. That sounds great. But that was 10 million people on the entire continent. Maybe a little bit more, a little bit less. No one really knows. Today, now, we have what? We have 320 million in the U.S., 25 million in Canada, another 100 and so many million in Mexico. So North America is up to almost, uh, you know, 450 million people. (laughs) Trying to figure out a way to, to bring animal agriculture in balance with 450 hungry, million hungry people is impossible. This is amazing. I didn't believe it when I. We spent no expense here at Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah, learned it. Like 216,000 more people are born to the planet every day. Every day. It's extraordinary. But what's really extraordinary is you need. Per day, 34,000 new acres of farmable land. It's not happening. To feed a person on an all-plant-based vegan diet for a year requires just one-sixth of an acre of land. To feed that same person on a vegetarian diet that includes eggs and dairy requires three times as much land. To feed an average U.S. citizen's high-consumption diet of meat, dairy, and eggs requires 18 times as much land. This is because you can produce 37,000 pounds of vegetables on one and a half acres but only 375 pounds of meat on that same plot of land. A high-consuming meat-eating Californian saves 1.4 tons of CO2 equivalent per year by removing beef from their diet. They save 1.6 tons by going vegetarian and 1.8 tons by going vegan. Okay. So I just want to stop here because even looking at the CO2 thing, right, like even just taking the step of no beef pretty much equates almost to being a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. In that sense alone, mm-hmm. which is one of the main reasons I was going to push for this, but I think I'm going to up the ante anyway. But I'll go back to that. But anyway, yeah, just take note. Of that. So that's why, like, I'm, I I say even for you guys listening, if you don't want to go the step of going full vegetarian, just cut out beef because it makes a significant difference in all of the numbers for everything. It's more than switching to solar power for your home or driving a hybrid car. Only switching to an electric vehicle saves more, which so that few can afford. But unlike an electric vehicle, the savings don't end with greenhouse gases. A vegan diet produces half as much CO2 as an American omnivore, uses one eleventh the amount of fossil fuels, one thirteenth the amount of water, and an eighteenth of the amount of land. After adding this all up, I realized I had the choice every single day to save over eleven hundred gallons of water, forty five pounds of grain, thirty square feet of forested land, the equivalent of ten pounds of CO2, and one animal's life every single day. If we all, as a society, did go vegan and we moved away from eating animal food and toward a plant-based diet, then what would happen? If we didn't kill all these cows and eat them, then we wouldn't have to breed all these cows because we're breeding cows and chickens and pigs and fish. We're breeding them you know, over and over again, relentlessly. So if we didn't breed them, then we wouldn't have to feed them. If we didn't have to feed them, 
and we wouldn't have to devote all this land to growing grains and legumes and so forth to feed to them. And so the, then the forest could come back. Uh, wildlife could come back. The oceans would come back. The rivers would be unclean again. The air would come back. Our health would return. Renewable energy infrastructure, such as building solar and wind generators all over our country to reduce climate change, and that's, that's a pretty good idea, but it's projected to take at least 20 years and at least minimally $18 trillion to develop. Another solution to climate change, we could, we could stop eating animals, and it could be done today. It doesn't have to take uh, 20 years, and it certainly doesn't have to take $18 trillion because it costs nothing. Some people say, well, let's fix CO2, and then we can worry about methane. Well, that's wrong. It's the other way around. That actually makes sense. Do something about methane because you get a response right away. Quietly and unmistakably, the most powerful thing that someone can do for the environment. Um, no other lifestyle choice has a farther-reaching and more profoundly positive impact on the planet and all life on Earth than choosing to, to stop consuming animals and live a vegan lifestyle. You don't think we couldn't solve this problem in a heartbeat? I'll tell you what, all we would need is for the environmentalists to live what they profess, and we'd be on a new course in the world. We will not succeed until we stop animal agriculture. And by succeed, I mean we will not save ecosystems to the extent necessary. We will not have enough food for people around the planet. We will not stop global warming. We will not stop pollution and the dead zones that run off all the fields of corn and soy that are grown to feed livestock. And we will not stop the, the hunting of wolves and other predators. Now, organic farming is one major positive step in the right direction, but we need to keep walking. We need to get beyond organics. We need to get to sustainability. When you take the animal out, well, you also take the greenhouse gas issue out. And you take the food safety issue and you take some of the other externalities related to food scarcity. But one thing that's amazing is, I think you put our values back in. You put values like compassion. All right, whatever. Um, but seriously, so I think that's a compelling enough argument for you, Andy. I think I've laid out enough in front of you to make you understand why I think from a conservationist standpoint, it would be a good thing to be a vegetarian. Now, do you think you could cut out beef for a month? Absolutely. Do you think you could take it a step further and be a vegetarian for the next month until December 1st? I'm willing to give it a shot. <laughs> Yay! All right. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, cool. I, I will do it along with you as well. I will yeah. go completely veg. Um, which is great. I love my veg, so I'm good with that. Um, fucking falafel. Awesome. Um, awesome. All right. Well, Andy, I, I would like to um, get some updates from you during our, our shows over the next month and let me know how it's going. But I applaud you for at least trying and, and think of it with an open mind. Think of it as far as what you could do with it as, as a lifestyle, what the implications are and what kind of impact you have on the environment as a result. And then also, be conscious of how it affects you and how you feel and see how you feel different in just a month's time. Also, I have a whole, like, uh, whole, like very uh, whatever sounding, but uh, I have a journal all set up. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, start my week, like how much I weigh now, how much I weigh December 1st, you know, kind of track what I've eaten 
what I'm eating for, you know, meals and snacks and whatnot. So I think that's a fantastic idea. I think I think it's a good thing for you. Okay. You, you've already okay. started the month off with like your little like run. You did like a what was a five k run. Yep. So you did your five k. Now you're gonna be yep. eating well. Look at yep. you. You're gonna be just just beastly soon. You're gonna be like Brian Barchek. No time. I don't want to go that route. <laughs> I don't want to go that route. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Andy is going to take the challenge. And for the next month, he is going to go vegetarian. So now let's define where we're going with this vegetarianism. Um, I know vegan is completely... Yeah, no, no vegan. dairy, no eggs, vegetarian. no animal product, byproduct whatsoever, right? Just no meat. Just no meat. No, No pork. I'm not a fan of pork no, for the most part. No beef. Okay, easy. No chicken. Okay. That's gonna be the that's gonna be the challenge because that's you know ninety five percent of my diet. It is really yeah, that absolutely. much. Yeah. No, no chicken and mm-hmm. and no turkey. Oh, well, oh turkey we should do for Thanksgiving because I'm not doing a fucking toe turkey. No, no, no. We'll, we'll we'll let the turkey go for Thanksgiving, but um other than that, I think we should um, keep to no meat for the next month and just see how it goes. Okay. And uh, I implore you, our jungle junkies out there listening, to um, do the same. Take it up. Try it out for a month. See how you feel. Let us know if you're doing it. I'd be interested in knowing who's doing it out there. And you can um, you can even leave us voicemails. At, uh, what's our voicemail? Um, 847-UJR-ROX-5. Yeah. Um, leave us a voicemail and let us know that you're doing it and let us know how it goes and well, it might even put you on air. And I think it's a good thing, man. To, to, I know it's a good thing. And, and I applaud you for wanting to at least try to make a positive impact, Andy. Well, I, I told you when you when you <clears throat> first told me about this that, you know, I would give it a shot. I wouldn't, uh, you know, shit on you. I wouldn't, you know, hold uh, you know hold it against you or you not hold it against me. But I was willing to give it a shot. I have no problem with that. Middle Eastern food, not the Middle Eastern food. Well, you know, where I'm, where I'm at, there's a... Decent amount of Middle Eastern food. Ibis, go to Ibis. Go to Ibis. Ibis for mm. awful. Okay. This concludes another episode of the world famous Urban Jungles Radio Show. We'd like to thank our sponsors and most importantly you, our jungle junkies, for tuning in this evening and supporting us in all that we do. Don't forget to tune in next Friday night for another live episode. And if you miss any of our shows, be sure to download them on iTunes for free. Be sure to like Urban Jungles Radio on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at UJ Radio. Thank you for listening to Urban Jungles Radio. Danny, did I forget anything? No, of course. We want to thank you, our Jungle Junkies, for hanging with us for another episode of Urban Jungles Radio and for taking the challenge of doing it. I'm pretty excited if you are. Um, let us know how it goes. Yeah, keep us uh, keep us up to date with uh, how you guys are doing it, how you ladies and, and gentlemen are doing it. Yes, let us know, and Andy will do the same. He will let you guys know Absolutely. how it goes. Absolutely, yep. Good stuff. And don't forget, get your T-shirts and your hoodies. Get them now. And if anyone has some interesting recipes, let me know. I'm willing to try whatever. Yeah, some really amazing recipes. Recipes for this evening. Recipes. No legumes, though. No legumes. Look at my sweaty balls. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, cool. Yeah, we will we will follow up on this. And uh, until the next time, Jungle Junkies, be good. Stay out of trouble. Don't stay out of trouble.
Latest. Urban jungles. Friday nights. Love this beat. Let's get it. Let's get it. He's doing live shows on what he knows. Go to Urban Jungles Radio and listen as the legend grows. Danny Mendes, the host of UJR. Urban Jungles Animals and he's a reptile star. Jungles good at what he does. He's the best by far. A herpetologist at such a young age. Fitting knowledge like a venomous cobra in rage. Known in the snake world as a reptile god. Quick on his feet like a tetrapod. Bringing down the forest like the tropical. Rain. Listen to the show, cause there's much to gain. Compared to Mendez, the rest are lame. If you have any questions, you know what to do. Just pick up the phone, and you can talk to the host. A diamond back in the rough. Fans wanting more, cause an hour just isn't enough. There's many in his field that do what he does. But out of all of them, no one is above. Hot snakes, hot snakes, rattle bones like earthquakes. Doing live shows. On what he knows, go to Urban Jungles Radio and listen as the legend grows. It's a legend. His legend grows. Legend grows. We growing. You know I can't be quiet, right? I gotta do a little something, something here. Urban jungle rhythms keep you guessing on what's coming. I got those kind of rhythms with the hook to keep you humming. People listen for the first time, never know what to expect. But they leave with understanding and some new style. For my lyrics, when I kick it, take it for a ride like you want to take it. Insane in the memory. Cause I paid extra for some snakes on a plane. And something tells me that you would do the same. That's why you're here, your followers and knows. That's right. It's been a year, watch how awesome it grows. You can't forget the name of the show. Urban Jungles Radio. shows on what he knows. Go to Urban Jungles Radio and listen as the legend grows. His legend grows. It's Chris Perillo laying down musical tracks for Urban Jungles. So tune in and get it done. Let's do it. It's Chris Perillo. That was corny, right? I can see it in your face. 